we're back with another episode of the Bottom Up Revolution podcast, where we tell the stories of the Strong Towns movement in action. I'm your host, Rachel. Today's episode features two inspiring women who serve at the West Virginia Community Development Hub. Amanda Workman Scott is the Director of Community Engagement, and Jenny Totten is Community Development Coordinator. Both of them grew up in West Virginia, they left, and then they felt that pull to come back home and serve their communities. Their work is oriented towards bottom-up action, focused on listening to resident stories and helping lift them up as leaders, not tell them what to do or push them down a specific path. Jenny and Amanda share what drew them to this work, how they do honest and authentic community engagement, and then at the end of the conversation, they cap it off with a ton of great advice for everyone out there who might want to get better at taking incremental, locally-based action to serve neighbors and build strong towns. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Bottom Up Revolution podcast from Strong Towns. Today's guests are Amanda Workman-Scott and Jenny Totten, both of whom work at the West Virginia Community Development Hub. So thank you both so much for being here. Thanks for having us. I would love to start just by uh, hearing a little bit about each of you and also your your community, whether that's your your town that you live in or West Virginia more broadly, since I know that you both work more broadly in the state. So Amanda, maybe we could start with you. I'm Amanda Workman-Scott. I am the Director of Community Engagement at The Hub and a community coach. I live in Clarksburg with my husband and three children. I work across the state, so I work in communities across the state. I was thinking about it this morning. I've been here for seven years. I've worked with small communities, bigger communities, communities of all sizes, so um, it's been fun. I moved back home to West Virginia seven years ago, so I was um, one of the kids that left right out of college. I left for about 10 years, and then I decided to come back. And in my own community here where I live in West Virginia, I I do try to give back to my own community by being part of the farmer's market and volunteering some of my time there too. That's great. And Jenny, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your community? Sure. So my name is Jenny Totten. I am the community development coordinator as well as a community coach for the hub. I work primarily in the southern coal fields of West Virginia and then with our lower resourced communities. I live in McDowell County. I live with my dog. We have an awesome house that we're renovating right now, so that's exciting. Um, my background, I actually went to school to be an engineer, but and I left the state like Amanda after high school, and I swore I was never coming home. Um, and then about 10 years ago, I returned to Central Appalachia through the AmeriCorps VISTA program, and then that's kind of when I fell in love with our rural mountain communities Um, Outside of work, I coach soccer and robotics. I'm managing a youth farmer's market project in McDowell County. And then I'm also a flower farmer myself. And then I, like a lot of West Virginians, I spend a lot of times in the woods or on a river somewhere in a kayak. Very cool. Well, I think that story of leaving your home and maybe never coming back or maybe deciding finally to come back is, is one that a lot of people will be familiar with. I also, I grew up in the Midwest. I've been away for a while and now I'm hoping to come back. So I relate to that. 
Maybe Amanda, we could start with you. Can you just tell us what the West Virginia Community Development Hub is and, and who do you serve in your work? The Hub is, we're a statewide community development nonprofit focused on leadership development in small rural West Virginia communities. And we have four different approaches that we take to that work. So the first approach is through our policy work that we do in our communities and through our partner organizations. Um, We also have a focus on communications. And that piece of work is really focused on West Virginia's narrative and sharing the stories of West Virginia communities. Um, And then we have, we're part of our statewide community development network, which includes partners doing this work from across the state and the region. So bringing everyone together to share stories, talk about what we're all working on and make sure that we're collaborating. And then the piece of the work that Jenny and I are really focused on is that um, community capacity building. So the community engagement And at the Hub, we feel that community engagement is the foundation to all community development work. Um, You have to have the people living in the communities, working in the communities, raising their families in the communities. They have to be part of the conversation and part of the change that's happening in their community. So really helping them build up their leadership skills and their leadership development to be part of that conversation. A lot of the time we do work with the traditional leaders in a community, but we're, we are looking for the people in the community who want to make change. So there's non-traditional leaders that maybe don't see themselves as leaders, but when we start working in those communities, those are the people that we really gravitate towards. What's your approach to finding those people and really soliciting real, like honest community engagement? How do you find those folks and um, engage with them on a, on a honest, authentic level. Jenny, I want to hear your thoughts on this too, but the way that we do it, like I said, we do start sometimes with those non-traditional leaders in the community. So who are those folks that are out front, the stakeholders that we really see in the community and start with a conversation and then we continue to build on that conversation. So every time we meet in a community, we want new people to be invited to the conversation. Anybody is is invited to be part of that. And so at doing that process and continuing to add new people and just some of those one-on-one conversations, um, that's when we see some of those leaders, non-traditional leaders, people that don't really see themselves as leaders start to bubble up through that process. Yeah, Jenny, did you want to add anything else to that? Yeah, sort of echoing what Amanda said, but then also I think that we've designed a lot of our programming to be some of the most accessible programming there is in community development. So we meet people where they're at, when they're available, and like whatever is most convenient for them. And so sometimes this looks like you know, we're meeting at six o'clock at night with a team of people. Sometimes it looks like a phone call at 9 a.m. Um, and then sometimes it looks like basically editing a document for somebody who's reading on like a third through fifth grade reading level and then sitting next to them as they go through and fill out the required paperwork and helping them along the way with that as well. So I think that's the other thing that we do that's make sure that people from like all walks of life are in our programs because they have valuable talents and skills that we want to utilize. Yeah, that's a really inspiring example and appreciate those different examples of of how you're meeting people. 
what is the kind of model and process that you all use for community development and how does that focus on empowering people at the local level from the bottom up to, yeah, to rise up and be leaders in their place? I'll talk about our coaching program first, mostly. The hub is itself, but then mostly in our coaching program, we utilize what is called the theory of accompaniment. And we didn't realize this was what we were doing until we started like looking at other examples out there. And so this was first utilized in the public health sector by Dr. Paul Farmer with his work in Haiti. And it basically says that the person with lived experience is the expert, especially in their experience and in themselves. And it's our responsibility as a practitioner to walk alongside them on a journey to get somewhere, but not to lead that journey. And so in rural health settings with little to no resources, this leads to improved health outcomes because it lets the best solution be found given what's already in place. And then the doctor and patient work together. And so translating this over to community development and economic development, we're there to accompany community members through hurdles and to be present for as long as they decide that's needed. We're often making connections and discovering what's possible together. We often are working with the team and then becoming that team's champions, but then slowly getting out of the way as that group becomes more self-sufficient. So think of it as like training wheels on a bicycle. And then in this way, I think that the Hub staff especially, we're always learning just as much, if not more, than the community members themselves. It's not a prescriptive approach at all. It looks different every time we go into communities. It lets us form deep interpersonal relationships with our residents, and we really get to know who we're working with. So when other opportunities come up, the coaching staff immediately knows who to route it to, what communities are good fits based on these relationships. The other cool thing with accompaniment is it allows for surprises along the journey or different discoveries. So maybe a group intended to set out on say, a downtown revitalization project with a single building, but instead this team meets a really passionate group of citizens who are into performance art or local food or what have you. So the accompaniment lets us encourage both of those journeys or all of these journeys to happen at the same time, and then they can cross over when it makes sense. The other thing that we do is we approach everything from an asset-based perspective and so at the Hub, we believe that community engagement and the act of community development should be exciting and it should be fun. Of course, it's going to feel like work some days, but we want to push our communities to start with what's working and then take it one step further rather than this more traditional approach of identifying gaps and working to fill those gaps. So if you always talk about what's missing from a community, that growth mindset that's needed to dream big is harder to come by. And then this work feels more like a job that nobody wants. And so we prefer to talk about what's possible and what opportunities exist. So there's always an opportunity and a next logical step in every community. And we work with who shows up, what's already been done, and then we teach our communities that the right people are in the room to get something done. And I like to say that you can either build new systems completely with a few leading the way, or you can work with the pieces that have already been created and then build the system around those pieces, which is what we do. This approach engages more members of the community and gives the community itself ownership. However, sometimes it results in a messy process because you're trying to work with things that have been created by a million different people, sometimes not with the same vision, uh, but that end result ends up being more resilient and then has more community-based buy-in because it was initiated from within the community itself and not from an outside force or an outside agency. Yeah, I love that model. 
So I would love to hear um, from both of you in, in your different roles, what are some current projects or initiatives or efforts, issues that you're presently working on, you know, challenges that you're working to address and what's been your approach from within your work at the hub? Amanda, what about you? What are you working on right now that you um, are, are proud of or excited about? We have a lot of different programs that are running right now, but some that I'm really focused on, we have our Cultivate West Virginia program, which we consider that our entry-level community engagement program. And we're working with the communities of Smithers and Montgomery down in the southern part of the state. And they're doing something really cool. It's two municipalities, but they're trying to work together as one community. And um, they have something called the Strategic Initiative Council which consists of both mayors, town council representation from both communities, and then local business owners and other community members are part of this. And it's it's shared leadership. So when they think about a grant that they're wanting to go after, maybe it's the town of Smithers, they always think about, okay, well, let's think about what's happening in Montgomery and how we can collaborate and do this together. Or for instance, they share a Um, code enforcer right now. So they both saw this need where they needed this person on their staff. And they said, well, what if we share this person? And they've even talked to other communities about sharing that responsibility too. So um, that's something that they're just doing on their own that they've been doing for a couple of years. It's really cool. But through the Cultivate program, um, it's we've been able to focus on community engagement. It has been a little bit harder um, with the pandemic, but we've still been able to do it. Um, they're currently working through some mini grant projects. So projects that can be done in the next six months. Um, they've got some really exciting things that are happening there. I'm also working through our Hubcat program, which is the Hubs Communities of Achievement program. And we're working in six of the Mon Forest towns. They're really focused on outdoor recreation and identifying a a technical assistance project that they can move forward in their community, as well as that community engagement piece and getting input from the broader community. So that's one of our, um, I would say, our like intermediate programs that we have communities go through, too. So those are just two examples of some community engagement programs. Yeah, that's fascinating. Jenny, what about you? What are you working on that you're interested in or excited about um, in terms of helping West Virginia? Yeah. So uh, right now in my coaching life, I'm helping Amanda with the Cultivate program she spoke about with Montgomery and Smithers. And so just getting to know these, like both of these communities, I grew up in the same county that they're in and didn't really know the communities. And so Getting to know them and the projects and the vision that they see for the future is amazing. I'm also, we are working on creating a fellowship system for how to create more community coaches. And so we've been doing it as a pilot for a few years. And so now it's time to actually legitimize it and like add a curriculum that actually takes the non-traditional leaders, especially through a program or a process that helps them identify community coaching opportunities for themselves as well as the skills needed to be a community coach. And so in the past, it's been a two-day training. This year, because of COVID, it became a year-long fellowship that was virtual. And so now the hub is working to 
kind of cement this fellowship experience for the entire year at being both a mix of in-person and virtual opportunities and then working with some partners to build out a whole curriculum with goals and expectations and like learning points. So I get really excited about stuff like that. We're also, as part of our pivot with COVID and all of the restrictions around travel, we started to think about what it would mean for communities to not necessarily have access to the hub through a curriculum program or through a coaching program. And so what happens if somebody just shows up and says, I want to fix my community or where do I get started with this? We're building out a basically a platform called Kickstart Communities that takes a lot of the entry-level coaching stuff that we do and turns it into an online platform that any community would have access to. And then as part of going through that, they also get access to a hub coach to meet with them one-on-one or group-on-one or whatever is needed to help them identify like next steps and goals and what the next role of that community is, whether it's, you know, here's a couple of projects to complete that are early, easy wins, or here's a hub program that you qualify for, you should apply to be a part of this program. Yeah, so much cool stuff you guys are working on. I want to like step back a little bit from the you know professional side of things and just to ask both of you what draws you to the work that you're doing um, like why choose to be working on community development working on empowering people and connecting people yeah Amanda why are you doing this work <laughs> I love the community coaching piece of this work so before I was doing this I worked in higher education and I was working with adult students and I was going through a transitional period of my life and I came home to West Virginia and I remember the executive director at the time said, well, how do you feel about community development? And I was like, what? Like, what do you mean about, what do you mean community development? So as I started to research it more and look at it, it's the idea of working with individuals and teams on the ground in their communities And that one-on-one interaction really spoke to me. When I am able to be in the communities, building those relationships and hearing people's personal stories and why they want to do this work, that's what I love about this work. And then seeing the change that they're able to make in their communities. I can't count how many times I've gone in and a community member is like, well, I really want to do this project, but... I just, I don't think it's going to work. I don't think I can do it. And then we start talking through it. And then a few weeks down the road or a couple months down the road, when they, when they're starting to see success and they come back and they're like, look, I was able to do this. It's, it's amazing. It's a wonderful experience. So yeah, just being on the ground with the community members and building those relationships. It's, that's why I do this work. Jenny, what about you? What draws you to this work? Yeah. So Similar to Amanda, but kind of from a different background, I I was drawn to this work initially not knowing that community development was what I was doing, if that makes sense. I think most of us that ended up in college in the 2000s just didn't realize this was a field to go into. And um, 
So I was I went to Virginia Tech, and their motto is that I may serve. And so there's community engagement woven into every part of your time at that university. And so even though I was like in aerospace engineering and I was doing the engineering thing and I was very focused, I still had to do this community service requirement. And so I never quite it didn't click with me that the thing I was most excited about was actually my community engagement and community service piece. And so, you know, here I was with a bunch of kids in far Southwest Virginia down in Grundy, and we were like running around Grundy, making planter boxes and making robots that would deliver meals to seniors and all of this fun stuff. And it never quite occurred to me that maybe that should have been my path. And so after I worked an engineering contract for a couple of years, I didn't renew that contract and said, you know, there's got to be a way to engage and invest in West Virginia. And it took a couple more years to get home. I, I had a million like detours and paths and some other countries and other things in there. But once I made it home and the AmeriCorps VISTA program really sort of cemented that you know, I could live in central Appalachia and have an impact on communities and be that cheerleader. Um, Nothing excites me more than somebody who comes in on day one and says, I can't do this to it being like day 700. And they come in and they say, oh, I have 47 other ideas now that I've accomplished that one thing I said I couldn't do, you know, two years ago. Um, that's, That's why I do it or those little individual wins that add up to big successes. Yeah, those are such exciting moments to see see that work come to fruition and see the people whose lives you've you've helped. That's wonderful. So looking ahead to, you know, this year and whatever the the world and the health situation looks like, what is something, you know, maybe one or two things that each of you are excited about in in your work in West Virginia, you know, for the rest of the year and helping communities respond to their current challenges. Amanda, what about you? I mean, the number one thing I'm most looking forward to is just being back in person with our communities. Um, This has been a big change. All of our work has always been done on the ground in the communities. And so moving virtual, um, I feel like we're just now getting the hang of it. And We also see it as an opportunity here that once we are back in the communities, we still offer that virtual option because sometimes folks can't um, take time off in the middle of the day to travel. So maybe they can join us virtually. Another thing that I'm really excited about is an opportunity with COVID was that with our outdoor recreation and tourism in West Virginia, you know, we saw a lot more of that this last year. And so I see some of those communities that we're working with that are focused on outdoor recreation. They've seen the possibilities. And so now they're like, okay, what can we do bigger and better now? And so just kind of seeing their thought process through that and helping to lead them through that process a little bit is something that I think will be really interesting to watch over the next year. Wonderful. And Jenny, what are you looking forward to or excited to see come to fruition in this this year? Yeah, so I think one of the things that I am intrigued by, I don't know if I'm excited by it yet, but one of the things I'm intrigued by is the amount of attention that Central Appalachia is currently getting at the national level, especially West Virginia. Um, and I, I'm excited to see how this plays out or if it plays out 
whether it means, you know, more resources or investments for our communities or more chances for our communities to tell their own story instead of a national news source telling the story. Um, so, yeah, I'm really excited to see how all of that ends up playing out. And then the other thing is kind of building off of what Amanda was talking about with the tourism economy. Um COVID showed us just how fragile our supply chains are and just how important it is to support local businesses. And so I will be interested to see, we had several businesses, especially in McDowell County, that posted, you know, increases in sales after COVID became a thing because they were, because they were now suddenly McDowell County residents weren't traveling to other counties to shop. They were doing all of their shopping at our one or two local grocers or our one or two local restaurants they were getting takeout from. And so I will be interested to see if this trend continues and if people start to see opportunity where they once didn't. Um, as far as opening up new businesses or even municipalities supporting different ways of supporting their new businesses or their entrepreneurship economies. Yeah, you're so right. It's been an important moment to notice our fragility and try to make more resilient local economies. To close us out, I am curious what advice um, either of you, both of you would offer for other people who might want to get involved in um, community engagement, community development where they live, um, whether, you know, maybe not in a, in as formal capacity as a job at, like you guys have, but any level of supporting community development and engagement. What advice would you offer to someone? Amanda? Yeah, so we asked um, the Hub staff this question, too, um, just to see what their responses were. And we loved all the responses. So it was more so for just people that want to take action in their own communities or want to get involved in some way. Um, some of the things that we heard from our staff, the first one was listen. Make sure you're listening to all the voices around you and trying to learn from others' perspectives. So don't be closed off to what other people are thinking. Find something you're passionate about in your community and start there. Um, I am super passionate about a farmer's market. Anytime I see a farmer's market, I have to go. So when there was one that started in my own community, I jumped right into it and I've been doing it for five years now. So if there's something you're passionate about, go after it and make sure that you're celebrating those early wins and just don't forget to don't forget to continue to celebrate as you move through the, the through the process and the work. Um, <laughs> this is really good advice. Yeah. Make sure you're engaging young people. I would say make sure you're engaging people of all ages, but especially young people and get them involved early on. Um, I have a four-year-old that I take everywhere with me. He's part of the farmer's market. He's helping me with the kids activity this year. So they're, it's never too, kids are never too young to get started. So start, start getting them engaged earlier on. I really liked this one. Uh, try to remember that conflict is communication. Um, when you're noticing a moment of conflict or friction, a lot of the time it is people communicating about their needs. So I think a lot of the time when we see conflict, uh, some of us run away from it and instead trying to view it in a different way and see how it can drive a lot of the decisions and collaboration that might happen around community development. We just have a few more. Don't go it alone. So a single person can't build a community. 
Um, we need to have a team of folks around us that are helping, helping build that community. So partnerships are key and important. Funding isn't always the answer. So a lot of the time when we go into a community and we ask what they need is one of our initial conversations. And you can bet the top one of the top three, you're going to hear funding. And yeah, we understand that funding is important and it is needed. But if for some reason your project isn't funded or the funding just isn't available, then let's try to think outside of the box and think about, well, how can we still make this happen? Or um, maybe there's pieces of the project that we can make happen without the funding. So just remembering funding isn't always the answer. And then the last thing I have is just don't give up. Some projects are going to take a year, five years, 10 years to complete, but you just got to keep moving forward. And that's when that celebrating your wins really comes into play because you got, even if it's just the tiniest thing, celebrate that and then keep going. Yeah. Celebrating wins. That's such a good thing to highlight and appreciate all the advice you just shared. Jenny, I know that was sort of a collective sharing, but did you have anything else you want to add in there? There's a couple of things to add maybe, um, which are lessons that we've learned directly from our communities and some of the leaders in our communities. One of those is don't be afraid to make space for others and their successes. So it's it's this pie theory where there's always more pie to go after. It's not that I take a slice, which means you don't get a slice. It's we will just make another pie. And then the other piece is don't be afraid to push against status quos and traditional leadership models because sometimes communities are where they're at because of that traditional leadership model. So sometimes what's needed is a completely different approach that's more creative. And then the last piece of advice from a community is to just keep showing up. It doesn't matter if your feelings got hurt. It doesn't matter if you got in a fight with somebody the day before. Um, It doesn't matter if you're tired. If you just keep showing up, then something can happen. But if you don't show up, that's when decisions are made without you. Yeah, so many wise words. Well, uh, Amanda Workman Scott and Jenny Totten, thank you so much for joining us and for sharing from your experience and your lives and all this wisdom. Really, really appreciate having you on the podcast. Thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. Thanks for having us. (laughs) I love that set of advice they shared. Lots of stuff to take to heart for sure. So the biggest announcement that I have for you today is that voting in our Strongest Town contest, sixth annual, has officially begun. Uh, By the time you hear this, we will be closing out the voting for round one in our bracket-based competition, but round two voting will start on Monday, March 22nd, and that's kind of the cycle we're in. Voting starts Mondays for whatever round is happening. It closes on Thursdays. The winner of that round or the set of winners for that round is announced on Friday, and then we start the whole thing over the next week. So keep an eye on our website if you want to participate in the voting. Um, Strongtowns.org slash strongest town is going to be your hub for all of that. And also if you're on our email list, which you should be if you want to keep in touch with everything that's going on here, you'll definitely be getting alerts about all of the phases of the contest. And I'll say that in order to make sure that we're, you know, picking a real strong town in each of these matchups and not just 
conducting a popularity contest, we weight the votes from our members. Um, so they make up, I believe it's like 50% of our votes. Uh, so if you're a member of Strong Towns, you'll be getting emailed a special form to vote on and your vote will probably count for a bit more than others. So make sure you join us if you you know have been part of Strong Towns for a while and want to just formalize that by actually becoming an official member, now's a great time, and then you can have your vote count for a bit more in that contest and really assert what you believe is a financially strong and resilient town. We had great geographic diversity uh, in the submissions this year. We got several dozen. We narrowed it down to our Sweet 16, and then over the course of the next month, we'll be determining our final winner as we eliminate different towns each week. And it's also, it's fun to, you know, look at that list and see if you have been to any of the towns that are on there. Maybe you happen to live in one of the towns that are on there. So vote in these phases of the contest. It's really fun. And it's a great chance to just see what's going on in in cities all over the country that are adapting to COVID and um, working to grow more financially resilient. Just to recap, uh, voting is on our website, strongtowns.org slash strongest town. You'll also be able to keep up with everything in the contest uh, if you're signed up for our email list. And if you're not, strongtowns.org slash email, that's where you can sign up. We'd love to have you. Finally, if you're a member, you're going to get special access to voting in this contest that'll be weighing your vote a little bit more heavily. If you're not a member yet and you want to be, you want to support us, you want to assert that you are an official part of this movement, strongtowns.org slash membership. Sign up takes... 20 seconds. Any amount counts and is helpful. That's it for us today. As always, my inbox is open for your emails or audio messages, rachel at strongtowns.org. Always love to hear from you. It's been a little while. I get a lot of like anecdotal feedback. You know, someone will offhandedly say like, oh yeah, I listen to the show. I like it in a conversation, but I haven't had a message that's like, substantial enough to share with you all recently. So hook me up if you want to let us know what's going on in your community, how you are interacting with this show, what it's making you think about, what's inspiring you to do. Critical feedback is also welcome. And of course, we always appreciate hearing how you're taking action in your community. All right. Thank you for listening. We'll see you back here for the next episode next week. Take care. Thank you.